Kelly and Kelly. Previously on This Sounds Serious. Hey guys, love the show, uh, but I think you're forgetting to mention a fairly obvious suspect. Uh, you might want to go back and watch some episodes of Last Known Whereabouts. I feel like you're not mentioning a really famous serial killer. It's This Sounds Serious, the case of Daniel Bronstad, a CastBox original. On this show, we're trying to uncover the details of the life of Daniel Bronstad, the most intriguing 911 caller I've ever heard, and the death of his brother, Orlando Weatherman, Chuck Bronstad. We are currently exploring the post-call period, the time after Daniel made the call to report the death of his brother, Orlando Weatherman, Chuck Bronstad, in January of 2007. This is episode six, The Weatherman Strangler. On the last episode, we were looking at all the theories surrounding Chuck's death, including the police's belief that Daniel killed his brother. But then, I got a voicemail. Hello, Gwen. I just wanted to thank you for the podcast that you've been producing. You know, I've been listening this whole time, and it's been kind of driving me crazy because it reminded me of a story, and I couldn't remember where I'd heard it from. And then it dawned on me, in the 90s, I used to watch a television show called The Last Known Whereabouts. And they did an episode on a criminal known as the Weatherman Strangler. And the truth is, yes, I know about the Weatherman Strangler. People have been writing and tweeting me about it constantly since this series started. I've just been waiting for the right time to explore it. And that time is right now. Last known whereabouts, getting to the bottom of America's most murdered. You've probably seen this show on cable. Every episode explores a different murder using interviews and reenactments. But what the strange man failed to realize was that the police had already tested his tire tread. Even though it's been off the air for a few years, they still run marathons of it on the weekends. And it would have been the perfect crime until Robinson got greedy. It's this weird kind of relic of pre-HD television that somehow still lives on. But using DNA evidence, detectives discovered that the semen belonged to the family's Jack Russell Terrier, Bingo. It's kind of a classic, and true crime junkies still talk about it. My name is Vincent Bellamy Pierce. I was the host of the long-running television show, Last Known Whereabouts. We did an episode about the killings of three TV weathermen. It took place in the Southwest from 2002 to 2004. The episode actually won an Emmy. Albuquerque, New Mexico, a quiet city of enchanting vistas and breathtaking cliffs. But what nobody in this sleepy desert town knew was that a serial killer was lying in wait, just on the precipice of taking his first victim. It was the summer of 2002, and Albuquerque was in the middle of an epic heat wave, entering its sixth day with a high above 100 degrees. 
Hello and thank you, Janice. We're seeing highs of 104 in Estancia, 101 in Las Lunas and Berlin. It looks like this high pressure front will hold on for another few days. until. It That's an archival there. clip of Mark Chavez. He was the weatherman at KNMP Channel 6 in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And, well, to get us going on this, I'm going to play a short clip of last known whereabouts. But weatherman Mark Chavez was wrong that night. Still going to be fairly hot overnight. Even the overnight lows will be in the high 80s for most parts of the basin. And a few days later, he was wrong again. Thank you, Janice. Thank you, Clit. It looks like that low-pressure system I've been talking about all week is just going to miss us. So we're going to see that mercury continue to top 100 degrees until probably Saturday. And that Saturday came and went. Thank you, Janice. Some good news on the horizon. I would probably say we're finally looking at a break from the heat on Monday. But he was wrong again. The heat wave lasted over three weeks, and every one of Mark's forecasts was wrong. And one night, with the city on the brink of madness, the heat wave finally claimed its first victim. Mark Chavez was found slain in his downtown Albuquerque condo, strangled with his own bolo tie, as seen in this reenactment. Hey, what are you doing in my condo in New Mexico? Oh, man, I love this case. That's Deb D'Souza. She hosts the true crime podcast, Murder My Sweet. I love murder. You know, obviously it's bad. You know, we get that. But I love it. You know, I hope that one day I'm murdered. Obviously, I mean, I don't want to be murdered. I mean, basically, I just hope people would really geek out over it if I was murdered. That would be kind of like a life dream, a death dream, I guess, technically. But then they'd catch the guy or woman, let's face it, it would be a guy, I mean, statistically speaking, and some cruel piece of evidence would bring him down, like the impression his jean jacket made on my back. Oh, yeah, 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 totally. She's going to help us tell the next part of the story. I love, 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 love Last Known Whereabouts. It's like my comfort food. I could live on it for days. I have probably seen the Weatherman Strangler episode, I want to say 50 times without exaggeration. After a month of investigating Chavez's death, the police had no leads until a small scrap of paper found its way onto police chief Milligan's desk. Um, Basically, the strangler started sending these notes to the police and they were in a secret code. A weather code. Come on. It's delicious. It's like I want to sit down. I want to put gravy on it and I want to eat it for Thanksgiving dinner. You know what I mean? Suns, clouds, raindrops, rainbows, snowflakes, along with all kinds of other meteorological symbols, ocean navigation symbols. And some of those symbols you see on the washing instructions on your shirt tag. He used all of them, which was brilliant because it was like confusing enough but also like a little bit whimsical. Working quickly, the Albuquerque Police Department employed a cryptographer to decipher the code, but he came up with no results. It was the police station's janitor who, while working an overnight shift, was able to make sense of the note. The full note contained no punctuation, just an uninterrupted manifesto. It read, The sun is too much. I can't take it. I will take down sun worshippers and those who make false promises about the sun's demise. When I am done, there will be no sun. Oops, 
That was not supposed to rhyme. XOXO. I mean, that is like the coolest. It is everything I want from a murder. Anyway, that was it. It was a clue, but they didn't know what to do with it. They didn't know who sent it. And there weren't any more murderers, but more notes in the same code were sent to other police stations. El Paso, Santa Fe, Tucson. Police stations all around the Southwest continued to receive these cryptic notes. The sun is burning our planet. The sun is melting us like toy soldiers in an oven. I will be the magnifying glass that burns mankind like ants. Okay, I'm going to skip forward a bit because there were a lot of notes sent, but no more weathermen were killed until... Flagstaff, Arizona, August 2003. Nestled on the rim of the Grand Canyon, a heat wave is entering its second week. On Channel 2, Wyatt Rogers has incorrectly predicted the end of the hot spell for the past four days. Thanks, Judy. Yeah, we are in the dog days of summer, that's for sure. But here's hoping someone takes that dog behind the shed and shoots it. Good news, though. According to the data I'm looking at, this warm front could break tonight. I'll have all the details. Details for you at six. Hope you join me then. But the only thing that broke that night was the door down at Wyatt Rogers' condo before he was strangled with a bandana, as seen in this reenactment. Hey, what are you doing in my condo in Flagstaff, Arizona? You're strangling me! You're strangling a weatherman! One thing I love about Last Known Whereabouts was its kind of budget. They always had the same actors do the reenactments. Anyway, now that there were two murders in two different states, this became a federal case. The FBI brought their lead criminal profiler, Lorraine Kerr. Well, we're looking at someone who probably works an unskilled job. Someone who came from an unstable family, lashing out at his parents, probably a bedwetter. Someone with a history of tormenting small creatures, probably started killing rabbits or cats. There's a good chance he worked his way up to killing a radio DJ or an intern at a reality show before taking aim at a weatherman. But then the killing stopped, and the FBI didn't have any solid leads. Another year passed with no killings. The notes stopped too, until the next summer. The Red Rock Canyons of Moab, Utah, September 2004. After an unusually late summer hot spell, local cable access host Zane Cross was found in his condo, strangled by the sleeve of his own poncho, as seen in this reenactment. Hey, what are you doing here in my condo in Moab, Utah? That's what you're doing. The Moab case was a strange one because the victim wasn't really a weatherman. He was the host of a cable access show celebrating Utah's desert climate. He was more of an ATV adventurer than a weatherman, but he apparently did do some weather. And when the notes started up again, they were sure it was the same killer. The Grand County Sheriff's Department received what turned out to be the killer's final note. Before the heat takes us, we must extinguish the sun. I will wipe the earth of the scum sun. 
This note contained the first real break in the case. They could tell from the watermark on the paper that the note was written on a page from a specific vintage book, A Treatise on Meteorological Instruments, 1866. FBI forensic analysis determined that every note had been written on the same blank page from different copies of this book. So this guy has like 50 different copies of a super obscure old weather book? Holy shit, man, what a maniac! Authorities scoured vintage bookstores and antique shops all over the Southwest. They returned with something more valuable than the shelves full of Navajo blankets and turquoise jewelry. A composite sketch. Caucasian, approximately 55 years old, 215 pounds, brown hair. Oh boy, if you look at the sketch, this guy is like so pale. He's got transitions lenses and a big old sun hat and all of the descriptions talk about how sweaty he was. I mean, you can tell this guy hates the sun. After the sketch was distributed to local authorities, Albuquerque Police Chief Milligan was able to immediately identify a suspect. Matthew Schultz, the Albuquerque Police Station janitor. What? The janitor who deciphered the first note wasn't just some crime-solving goodwill hunting. He was the guy who was sending all the notes in the first place. That's the killer? <laughs> what? I mean, come on. You can't write this stuff. The FBI raided Schultz's apartment, but quickly retreated when they had reason to suspect it was booby-trapped. So when they got there, it smelled so strongly that they thought the apartment was sabotaged with some kind of chemical. They said it smelled like glue and coconut oil. There was a workbench with beakers and flasks. It turns out he's making his own sunscreen. <laughs> if you look at the photos, they're all online. If you Google them, just a quick Google search will bring everything up. He has notebooks with pages labeled like SPF 5000 and Ultimate Sunblock. But what authorities did not find in Matthew Schultz's apartment was... Matthew Schultz. Authorities warn, if you see Matthew Schultz, do not approach him. He may be booby-trapped. This is Vincent Bellamy Pierce asking you, where will be your last known whereabouts? And that's where this episode of Last Known Whereabouts ends. That episode was from 2006. Unfortunately, we weren't able to get to the bottom of the case before it went to air. So, could the weatherman strangler have killed Chuck Bronstad in 2007? After the break, I'll answer that question. Before the break, we looked at the case of the weatherman strangler. Could he be the one that killed Chuck in 2007? Well, there are a few reasons why this theory makes sense. First, obviously, Chuck was a weatherman. If four weathermen were killed in five years, and we believe the first three are related, then it's not a huge leap to include Chuck's murder. Also... All of the victims were single men with no kids, so the killer has a type. Incidentally, 99% of weathermen match that type. And all of the victims had made incorrect forecasts. Remember, shortly before the murder, 
Chuck's twin brother Daniel had impersonated Chuck on the air and incorrectly claimed that a hurricane was approaching Orlando. And what else can I tell you? Um, well, tomorrow there's going to be a hurricane. So get ready for that. It's Hurricane uh, Beverly. But there are also some pretty compelling reasons pointing away from the weatherman strangler killing Chuck. Yeah, we, we looked into the so-called weatherman strangler without officially looking into it, if you know what I mean. That's Detective Leonard Anthony again, the lead detective on Chuck's murder investigation. Well, we never called the feds to investigate. We didn't have to. First of all, the weatherman strangler only killed weathermen in the southwest during heat waves. Chuck was killed in Florida in January. That seems like an obvious point against the strangler. But Deb sees it another way. Maybe he didn't want to kill anymore, and he hoped a change of weather would suppress his urges. But his need to kill was too great. Ah, plus it's Florida. Everyone's a criminal there. It's like America's Australia. Another reason it couldn't be the strangler is because Chuck wasn't strangled. Duh. Chuck was drowned in his waterbed. He has a point there. Once a serial killer establishes a pattern, they don't usually break it. You know, that's not necessarily true. A lot of killers adapt their behavior. They evolve when their usual killings don't scratch that itch anymore. I mean, there have been stranglers who became slashers, slashers who become shooters. Plus, didn't the profiler say the killer was probably a bedwetter? Uh, killing someone in a waterbed is the ultimate bedwetting. But the biggest reason of all that it wasn't the weatherman strangler is because the real weatherman strangler, Matthew Schultz, died in a shootout with police in Colorado on January 12, 2007. That's one day before Chuck was killed. Yeah, they say that, but I'm not 100% sure he was the strangler. Think about it. Did he write the notes? Absolutely. Did he hate the son? Totally. But there was no forensic evidence that tied the notes to the crime scenes. His fingerprints and hair weren't found in any of the weatherman's condos. Matthew Schultz could have just been a lunatic writing letters based on someone else's murders. Honestly, between you and me, a lot of the stuff he wrote in those letters was the same stuff Al Gore said in An Inconvenient Truth. And was he a suspect? No. He got an Oscar. Do you know about the Weatherman Strangler? Do you know that that's... Yeah, yeah, I've heard about the Weatherman Strangler. I mean, you know, may as well be describing the Sasquatch for all I know. I mean, it could be. That's Daniel Bronstadt. He spoke to me at his ranch. Maybe it's real, but probably not. There's a lot of other people that would more logically have killed Chuck. I mean, jilted lovers. I personally think it could have been an accident, you know. Uh, late at night, Chuck hurrying into his room trips with such a force that he plows his face right into that mattress and drowns. You know, that makes some sense to me, you know. We actually talked for quite a while that day. Afternoon turned into evening. It was nice. Although, I think he thought it was a date. He kept trying to hold my hand. No, oh, oh, no, just, oh, that's okay. Yep, that's okay. I can, I can, that's all right. I can, I can, I can put my hands around myself. That's okay. I've got it. What are you, Daniel, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just puckering and humming. Oh, okay. No, no. What are you, what are you doing? He talked about the strangler. He talked about Chuck. And I think for the first time that I've ever witnessed, he actually talked really thoughtfully about himself. 
you know, we spend a lot of time talking about Chuck, and really, I, I just want to know, who is Daniel Bronstad? Daniel Bronstad is is a good person, who's been terribly misunderstood. He's passionate about music, and and is a very was a very caring, loving twin brother, who who has a heart of gold, and who, who, who honestly, who it's been very difficult to hear the, the many things that people in Orlando and beyond have said about him because they are absolutely, absolutely, absolutely false. Daniel Bronstad is a good person, Gwen. And I think, I think you know that. I really do. We've, I think you know me, and I think you know I'm a good person. This is a side of Daniel that's new to me. He wasn't avoiding my questions. He wasn't bouncing from idea to idea. He was actually being vulnerable. Every time I think I know who I'm dealing with, he surprises me. But I feel I'm finally starting to get a picture of Daniel. He's got the soul of a musician and the face of a weatherman. He's lost everything. He's all alone in this world. No wonder he's always got his defenses up. But, of course, there's one thing I still don't know about him. Is he a killer? I'm glad we did this. This was really nice. Let's head back and we'll get you on the yeah. back on the road. And, whoa, 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 rattlesnake, rattler! Oh, rattlesnake, die, 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 die! God damn, god damn those rattlers. Ah, Jesus Christ, Gwen, you're not one of these podcasters who falls for their subjects, are you? (laughs) Listen to me, it wasn't the Weatherman Strangler, it wasn't Tanner Austin or the ex-wife, it wasn't somebody from the cult or a boy band member. We disregarded all of these people as suspects because Daniel took a polygraph test, which he failed spectacularly. Daniel, do you consider yourself to be a, a violent person? No. Not a violent person? That's a stupid question, I'm not. What? Why is this thing doing that? Oh, for Christ's sakes. Okay, I'm a little bit... I'm a little bit violent. Would you say that you were jealous of your brother's success? Absolutely not. No way, are you kidding me? Local weather? No, no. I, oh, I'm crying out loud. All right, a little bit jealous. Very jealous. Extremely jealous. Over the moon, crazy jealous of my brother's success. There you go. Based on that polygraph test, based on the fact that he was the only other person in the condo that night, we got a warrant issued for his arrest and we charged him with first-degree murder. One count. It has been an emotional day for all of us here at WQOO and for everyone following the tragic death of our former weatherman, Chuck Bronstadt. Today, in a stunning turn of events, police arrested Chuck's brother Daniel at his Baldwin Park condo complex. Daniel is said to be cooperating with police. And then, as you well know, he went to trial. And oh, what a trial it was. Next time on This Sounds Serious, The Trial of Daniel Bronstadt. Despite what you think, this is not a case of who done it. The person who done it 
is the defendant sitting in this courtroom today, right now. Hey, let me tell you something, okay? I like this guy. I don't think he did it. How do you think, how do you think the first day of the trial went? Well, I feel very good about uh, how the first day went. I wrote that lyric on the day that Chuck died. I have put away hundreds of dangerous killers. Will I be remembered for that? No, 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 no. I'll be remembered for a goddamn waterbed reenactor. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, have you reached a verdict? We have your honor. This Sounds Serious is a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest-growing, highest-rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all your favorite podcasts. You can listen to This Sounds Serious wherever you get your podcasts, but we hope you'll give CastBox a shot. We think it's the best.